Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, another Frightfest preview podcast series, and today's guest is Corey Deshaun. Hello, Corey. Hey, Stuart. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We're here to talk about your film, Hell is Where the Home Is, a fantastic title, I might add, and uh, and you are the screenwriter of this film. Is that not right? That's correct. So before, before we do anything, do you want to give the... Uh, the, the listener a brief synopsis as to what Hell is Where the Home is all about? Uh, sure. Uh, the film is essentially about these two couples who are going through some troubles in their relationship and they decide uh, the best way to try to work through it would be to book a little vacation home out in the desert away from everybody else where they can just relax and unwind and have fun and try to uh, work through what's going on between them. And it just so happens that this house contains, uh, without giving too much away, I'll say the house contains evidence of a crime that's been committed that uh, there are some people that are going to try to come and find. Oh. And uh, let's see what else can I say about that. I think that's I think that's enough of a tease. Yeah. I think that yeah, yeah, give a little tease. That gives us that gives us the idea of uh, of terror and horror that's going to descend on this these two couples. I think yeah, set up anyway. <laughs> well, look, you're the screenwriter. And before we get into more detail about 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 creating the script for this, let's let's ask you a personal question first. Sure. So, and I've been asking everybody this who's come on the, who's coming on the preview series. So you're not alone. So. Cast your mind back and, and, and think about that first or an early moment where you kind of caught the horror bug or horror got its claws in you. Yeah. I had to think back a while, and I think the film that that really, I think, introduced me to horror, that's not even really a horror film, but it was Mars Attacks. It was Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. Okay. Because when I remember, I used to always be into the alien stuff, uh... Not, not the Alien films when I was that young. I forget when that came out, but I watched those later. But I liked the Alien Invasion movies, like Independence Day, or that kind of action 
action-packed uh, yeah. alien films. And I went into Mars Attacks uh, expecting that. And I think it might have been the creature design or something, but I can't even remember how old I was. I know I was pretty young when it came out. I went to see it in theaters. And for, for some reason, those little things just terrified me. I, I can't even, I guess maybe the skull shape of their face or something like that. But mm. that was the first time I remember like really being frightened of a movie as a little kid. And uh, it took me probably like another 10 years before I ever went back and watched the movie again and saw that it was actually a comedy. I don't even think <laughs> I realized it for a while. <laughs> it's great. It's great the way that the, 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 the mind can play tricks on us. Like you fi- yeah. you fixed on that terror and then you're kind of terrified to go back. Because why would you want to revisit something that's terrified you? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think I had any idea that it was like a, it was a satire or it was a Tim Burton film or anything. I was like, oh my god, I was so terrified of this film as a little kid, and I just never saw it again. Um, but that never—I was never that scared of any horror films, though. Like even so, when I did see like the real, the Alien films or something like that that are supposed to be horror, I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. I, I like this, you know. But uh, yeah, so it was just something about that film. And what and what was it? What what was it that captured imagination about about? Um, Becoming a screenwriter is that something you, you a bug you got early, or is that something you've you've more recently sort of developed into? Uh, no, that was very early. That's uh, in my childhood as well. I just really uh, I took to storytelling in general, um, and I believe I got really interested in creative writing when I was in elementary school. Wow, and I used to love to just write all the time, even more than I like to read stories or anything. I used to always just like to create stuff mm. and. It started uh, playing with action figures as a little kid. I would act out sequels to movies that I would see, everything from you know, Star Wars or whatever else, and uh, that grew into wanting to write them down. Yeah. And in the process of writing, I sort of discovered what screenwriting was. I don't even re- remember exactly how, but at yeah. some point in my childhood, still within you know early grades, third or fourth grade, so before I turned 10 years old even, I had realized what filmmaking was and realized what screenwriting was and decided to start pursuing that uh, as a personal interest, not even professionally. I had, I had no idea that I would ever really end up doing that. It was just this thought that, oh, one day it would be cool to write a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I ended up getting a hold of a copy of Movie Magic Screenwriter back then, maybe like a year or two later, that I think uh, some... It was some family friend. Maybe my mother knew someone who also wanted to be a screenwriter, and he had a copy of this program that he gave me. And I just started teaching myself format with a story that I was had been writing on paper at that point. Right. And, okay. and then that was it. That was it for a while. I just taught myself the mechanics of it and would continue to be interested in writing in general throughout school. But it wasn't really a professional pursuit. I studied studied music as a kid first. I studied computer technology. My degree's in IT uh, from college. And I worked in that field for a little while. And the interest of filmmaking or writing in general was just something that was developing in parallel to all that. Just some other interest that I had that it finally took uh, doing a few video for hire projects in college, like just shooting promotional videos for the studio orgs or little businesses and things like that yeah. that made me want to make my own after all this time. So I never actually made my own film. I never really, I still at that point hadn't even written a script in its entirety. And so I decided to write a little short film and go out and shoot it. And that process of like raising money through crowdfunding and 
booking equipment and cast and crew and locations and all that kind of stuff, just the whole little self-contained production, that solidified that I could not ever go back to a desk job. Once I got that little taste of what <laughs> I meant to be a filmmaker, uh, I, li- I could not there was there was no way I would be I would spend the rest of my life miserable if I did not at that point really give it a try. This is you, when I you, you made you made a film and went feral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. I was I was making the film in October of 2012 in Florida. Yeah. By December of 2012, I lived in Los Angeles. I'd never even been here before, but that was it. It was that quick of a turnaround once wow. I really tried to do something with it. So let's let's fast forward then to hell is where where the home is and you you as the writer of this, of this screenplay where where did the kernel of the idea start for you with, with writing this feature length screenplay? Um, well, it was kind of two. There were two different things that led me to it. Mm-hmm. The first was seeing it was kind of an experiment to see if I even could write horror or okay. and particularly write contain horror because everything that I've been writing so far wasn't really budget conscience it wasn't really market conscience it was just whatever i was interested in just you know writing whatever i could mm-hmm. and i said you know let me see if i can actually take a stab at doing something that people are actually buying you know like that kind of that kind of strip yeah, and yeah. you know there were, i like i like what the horror genre was doing uh in in some of the and you could like psychological thrillers and things like that, more so than because at that time it was everything was going toward the torture porn kind of films which I never really got into. Yeah. So like, well, let me try to go that way. Let me try to write something like that that's still very character driven, still very human, but has this air of dread to it. Mm-hmm. Just to see if I could. And at that point, I still had no idea what the story would be. And I remember at some point I. Remember the Twilight Zone episode? Did you hear anything about that? No, I didn't. I didn't hear the Twilight Zone bit. So yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah. So once I decided I wanted to write some type of film like that, some type of film that could be relatively easy to make if I were to do it myself, easy, you know, being relative, a contained number of sets and characters and things like that. Yeah. And something that wouldn't have to rely on any kind of torture porn tropes. And so, I just started to rack my brain about what have I seen that's contained, what kind of story could exist in that world. And I thought of this old Twilight Zone episode mm-hmm. uh, called, I think I think the title of it was Nine Figures in Search of an Exit or In Search of an Escape, something like that. Okay. And it was the one where a bunch of characters all in these different costumes wake up inside of this cylinder. And that's the only thing that exists. They're in some kind of cylinder and all they can do is look up and see the sky above them, but they can't get out. And that was the premise of the episode. Wow. And terrifying. throughout it, the characters, you remember it? Or? No, no, I don't. But it sounds magic. It sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. And I never watched a lot of Twilight Zone, so I don't even know how I came up on that episode one day. But it was the one that I remembered mm. and from years, years prior. And the premise was all these characters were trapped in there. And throughout the story, they kind of just they try to work together to get out uh, while overcoming driving each other crazy and i've always thought that was a kind of a cool idea mm. so i thought of that and i started to research that episode so i can watch it again and find out more about it and it turned out that it was actually a it was loosely inspired by the searcher play no exit so i was like oh so that's interesting here there's a premise of just an idea of these characters trapped in some sort of literal or figurative purgatory Okay, okay. And so it's like, how do I take this now and turn it into a horror film? 
well, let's add both. Let's have these characters and whatever's going on with them in their lives in this, you know, somewhat of a metaphorical trap scenario while this other external element of horror surrounds them. And that's what grew into the premise of the film. These two couples that go on this retreat together, had there not been anything else going on, you know, in the world, these two couples would have probably killed each other by the end of the night anyway. And that kind of character drama to the story and then wrap it in the shell of a home invasion. And that became the story. Okay. So, so when, when you, when you were, when that, when that idea was expanding and being applied to what became hell is where the home is, um, what's your process for sort of developing your idea? Are you, are you someone that dives in to the screenplay and begins like moving things around as, as you write, or are you someone that, that lays it all out, index cards on a cork board, that kind of thing? What, what, what's your, what's your approach to developing a screenplay? Yeah. I guess I do the uh, the digital version of index cards with Incorporate, which I just I brain dump into Word documents anything I can you know think of. I'll include links to YouTube videos or to music, just anything that gets me in the mindset of the idea, okay. and then I'll just stay in that phase for as long as it needs really, and I'll I'll develop character and you know plot points or cool scenes that I might want to try to fit in there somehow, and. At some point in there, I'll start to see the shape of a story, and so I'll try to write it out in a very clear uh, outline or treatment form, and I'll work on that treatment for a while. I'll work on the treatment for a lot longer than I'll ever work on a script, and I'll just keep pouring details in to the point where I'm even uh, breaking it up into scene headings at that point. And once I have enough of the idea formed that way, then I'll just start writing so typically, I guess I can say that my my first first draft actually comes out in outline form, and then I take that and edit it into a screenplay. So I have a little bit more of a refined first draft by the time it actually becomes a script. So how how long out of interest, how many pages long is this treatment you write? This outline treatment you write in the end? Uh, it, it varies. I don't remember how long it was for this, but it'll go anywhere from. Uh, 10 pages to 20, 25 pages. It'll depend on the script and how detailed I feel like it needs to be. Something like this, I want to say it was on the shorter end because there wasn't any big world to explore or anything like that. It was limited characters, only, you know, one location. Um, So... Now, now, I was going to say, with the the one location, um, that means you've got nowhere to go, as it were, because obviously you're fixing the the drama in one place. So... Having been something that you were you were trying to sort of um, it was it was a pragmatic decision to have to attempt to write a screenplay in that way. Yeah. The, it's a story in that way. What became the storytelling challenges for you then about keeping it dramatic and building the tension in when the location when you can't go. Meanwhile, over at the missile base, and meanwhile yeah, yeah. at Auntie Mary's house, you can't do any of that. You can only stay in this house in the desert yeah it was really just relying to that just good old-fashioned cause and effect Mm -hmm. just how do i set up a scenario where the events once like once the events uh begin there's no there's no stopping there's nowhere else you can go you've just gotta live through it and for me, the challenge, I think, was how to do that in any kind of an interesting way. Because, I mean, obviously, the home invasion film has been done before. Yeah. Uh, 
there's been other inspirations and adaptations from No Exit all over the place. So I'm trying to not make something that's derivative, but, but at the same time to not uh, not allow that search for being original to lead me all over the place. It's still <laughs> you know, it's a very pragmatic approach. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just started to rely on the characters themselves, just writing everything I could into these people, into these personalities to try to make the make the characters so dynamic that the story would have nothing to do but go forward. Yeah. And so, and as it turns out, I think in the first draft, it happened over, the story took place over two days, and we ended up reducing it into one day in this. Yeah. Uh, That's what it was, the entire film. You're pretty much, with the exception of a few five, ten-minute jumps here or there, you're watching all of the events in real time. Wow. That's uh, that's 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 an achievement. So yeah, it just became how do I how do I make everything necessary? Every little thought a character is going to have, or every little action, how is that going to come back and pay off in some way so that everything that you see has to happen and it has to happen in this time frame? So when 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 you're when you've got the the the, the, the lock draft as it were, or the, or the or the or the script that you sell, uh, that, that then Orson Ob- Oblowitz is going to direct. What what happened then with the screenplay? Was that something you worked together on, or did that, you know, was you was you getting notes from him? Was it developing that way, or or was it just take your script and that's what got produced? Uh, well, no, my uh, my original draft was a little. Well, I say it was it was different from what we ended up making. So, like my original draft, I did not set in the desert. Actually, I said just in, in some of this. Uh, nondescript uh, tropical paradise, and they were going on vacation to so, some tropical location. Okay. And it was uh, the producers who found it first before uh, there was a director attached, mm-hmm. and they gave their thoughts on it. We ended up moving through with a sale. I think in the process of selling it, they confirmed Orson. And so, okay. literally, I think it was the next, literally, probably the next day, once the contracts were all done, Orson and I got together and we spent a good probably five or six week period of just of building it from there, getting it. It worked out kind of coincidentally that Orson and I had a lot of similar interests and similar uh, motivations for some of the, some of the more specific plot points in the story. So like there was something involved around uh, analog photography about shooting on 35 millimeter film, which is something that I do in my photography and he does as well. And so we <laughs> built into a bigger portion of the story uh, so it was a lot of things like that. It was like it was bringing some more personality into it. I tried to, as someone who likes to write things for myself to make, this was a conscious choice to not try to put too much of my own uh, style on the original draft, so that someone else could come in and feel like they have enough room to flex their own legs in it without having to rip the whole story apart. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So you, you how do we how do we get this into the Orson language so that he could go and make the version that he wanted to see out of it. Okay. Now, without giving without giving spoilers, uh, can you can you give a maybe uh, and you said to yourself you wanted to try and avoid that uh, that being just like any other home invasion movie but while staying within the realms of keeping it real and keeping the characters interesting. So, without giving any particular plot points away, you know, what what would you say you'd be looking forward to the Frightfest audience experiencing or seeing as part of your film that they may not have seen with uh, with with other home invasion movies, uh, I would say it would be just 
just how deep we actually get into who these people are. Mm-hmm. So, like, so for me, this was the first time I had ever even tried to write a horror film. And what ended up happening in my original draft is that I really just wrote a character drama with a really bloody third act. Right, <laughs> and that okay. became uh, the foundation of it all. So we really get into these characters' psyches and where they – some events that have happened between them in the past – and how they're carrying over into the present and how it affects how certain characters act even when this horror element descends upon them. Mm. So that, I think, to me, is going to be one of the things that stands out to an audience. And then from there is just how how crazy the second half gets compared to the relative uh, grounded nature of the first half. So the first half, you do we spend a lot of time really filling out that character drama and getting to know these people as we slowly sprinkle in the little bits of mystery and little bits of this sense of dread that something big is coming. Mm. And then when it finally does, you're not – that I think is going to be a pretty surprising moment, how that event actually happens, the, the transition into the next part of the film. Good, good. Except me, you're making me think of um, films like uh, The Invitation and uh, Coherence. Yeah, yeah. The way that the way that they kind of made you made you understand who they were in the real world that they existed in, while at the same time, there was always that kind of presence of this isn't going to go right, is it? <laughs> but you weren't quite yeah. sure what. And then when it went, you were like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Well, that's really exciting. So, um, well, look, thank you very much for giving us your time on the podcast. Oh, I, it was my pleasure. I bet you thought you'd, you'd barely started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did go back and come back, actually, yeah. Yeah, no, no, great. You've been no, really ge- uh, say that again, oh, sorry. sorry. No, I want to say I'm, uh, I'm glad to be involved. No, 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 my pleasure, my pleasure. It's, 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 it's really, I mean, I can say it's really a busman's holiday for me, this, where I, uh, I get to speak to a, a, a number of uh, horror filmmakers in a short space of time. Um, who are, going to be going. are you going to be coming to the to London for the festival? Or are you... uh, probably. I'm, I'm going to try to get out there. I've got a couple other things that I'm trying to uh, schedule out and manage. Even if I do get out there, it might even be something as so quick as like just a single weekend turnaround. But I am going to try to make it out. Okay. Well, if you do, try and try and give us a shout, and I'll uh, I'll join you for coffee. For real? Yeah, that sounds great. The Britflix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 